0: This is Lisa, and you're listening to "I Love That Movie." Uh, if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can reach me under aya lisa cosplay. I'm also on Instagram under aya and as a Nancy ami Lisa, and I've got a closed Facebook group called "I Love That Movie." It's just a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films, judgment free. And I've only got one rule in there: it's keep it positive. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps newcomers find us. Um, And if you leave a positive review on iTunes, you're automatically entered to win a $20 gift card for a movie theater chain of your choice. I'm going to draw once we get to 30 so leave one today. Um, And before I roll forward, I do want to plug a couple quick events. Uh, February 24th is Michael Cross's birthday bash. Um, You've heard Michael Cross on this show a few times. It's gonna be his birthday and we are celebrating at the Alamo Draft House on february twenty fourth along with Christopher R. Mim, who will be in attendance and showing his uh, the House of Ghosts. So it's gonna be super fun. I think I've told you guys before at these events people typically dress up um, and they get really into it. I hear that there's gonna be some interactive stuff going on. Uh, so please come out and see us. Uh, and I think it's about I, I think it was five dollars and when you pay for a ticket it actually goes back towards your meal, so you literally pay nothing pretty much. Um but yeah, he's turning 60 and we're super excited and so yeah, come out. Uh, the other thing I want to plug is all cons coming up and I'm gonna be there all four days. Uh, but i also have a panel on Saturday at four o'clock in the maple room on the second floor, and we're gonna be recording a live episode. Actually, Michael's going to be joining me for that one and Christopher as well. Uh, we're going to cover Flash Gordon. It'll be kind of like a quick mini episode and then we'll take a QA and a section also. Uh, and if you want to come and, and give us some questions or facts that you want to throw in, you might make it on the episode too. So please come and say hey. Uh, I think we're also going to have a meetup during that convention, but I'll have more details on that later. All right. That was a lot. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so much to cover. But I also want to introduce a new guest I have today, and it is Chris. Say hi, Chris.
1: Hey, guys. Hey, Lisa.
0: Hey. Hey. Well, I'm glad you made time to come on the show. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell our guests a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, yeah. So again, my name is Chris. Um, just uh, reached out to Lisa a, long t- a little while ago. i Discovered uh, your podcast through uh, Scott and all the the crew at Scott at uh, the Suicide Squad cast, and kind of binged in over a month of all your, all your shows. Um, just oh man, I'm a,
0: thank you. I'm a I'm
1: a, I'm a I'm a huge movie buff. My when my uh, my wife and I were dating at the time, uh, she would say to, she would tell friends I, I don't need to go to uh, blockbuster or anything like that. Chris has his. I have my own personal blockbuster with him. I'm just a huge. Uh, movie buff and d- love all types and of kinds of movies. Um, I'm an assistant principal at a high school and uh, starting to look into dabble into my own uh, podcast soon.
0: Oh, great. That's awesome. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, let me know and we'll talk about it in the group and plug it in the group and all that good stuff. That's great. Uh,
1: thanks. Um, I'm excited to be on here and thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, for sure. Well, Let's get to what movie we're talking about today. I'm so excited because somehow we haven't covered this movie yet. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a big one.
1: Yes, we'll be looking at the original Ghostbusters from 1984.
0: Cue the music. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like, um, you know, obviously almost everyone's seen this movie. But uh, when when we started watching it the other day, it was literally like, it feels like an instant party the second it starts. Do you feel that way? Like, I kind of, like, I, I'm not ashamed to say that I got up and I danced. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good time. Oh, I love
1: this movie. Oh, yeah. no, it's it's <laughs> My wife had only seen it one other time. I introduced it to her, and she originally wasn't a fan. And I think the second time we watched it again this weekend in preparation for the podcast. And I think that she appreciates it a little bit more. She's, it's not <laughs> up her alley, but I, I think... It's, it's the humor that wins a lot of people over with the movie.
0: For sure. It's a big part of it. Um, so when did you see this movie? Like when was the first time you saw it?
1: I definitely was, uh, I was a glimmer in my parents' eye at that point. So <laughs> since I was born in 84, didn't get to see it live in theater. So I the memory that sticks out most in my mind is I believe my dad had recorded this from an ABC showing of it. Um, ah. so, so I just remember constantly always... Fast forwarding through the the commercials, um, <laughs> so probably when I was uh, five or six years old.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I, uh, I think when I saw this, I mean, I know I was definitely a child, but it's really hard to remember exactly when. But I do think, you know, you saying that your wife saw it now and doesn't quite have the same connection, I do wonder how much of that is being a kid uh, and seeing it, because this movie really connects with children um in a way maybe they didn't even anticipate uh but it, it's almost to the point where i can't remember when i first saw it i just remember always loving it i watched the cartoon um like the original one where egon yep. was blonde for some reason
1: um i definitely yeah. have, i looked up some information <laughs> about that that there, there's a big story behind all those changes
0: oh really yes oh, nice um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've always really liked this film, but I feel like it's been a little while since I've revisited it. And so it was just such a treat to go back and do that.
1: Yeah, you sure. usually try to, It. it's, you know, I, I like horror movies, but I wouldn't say like I'm a horror buff. But this one, I try to come back to around Halloween time. It's it's kind of a, a yearly tradition. At some point in October, I'll watch this movie at least once.
0: That's a great tradition. I love that. <laughs> um, so. The next thing I'm going to do is read the synopsis, but it's it's a sentence. I think all of you know what this movie is about, but in case you don't, three former uh, parapsychology professors, parapsychology. I hope I said that right. Uh, parapsychology professors set up shop as a unique ghost removal service.
1: And very synopsis ve- <laughs> very very short, s- very short but if it, 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 <laughs> it, one sentence ones, they never do the whole movie justice.
0: right uh this movie came out in 1984 like you mentioned i was born in 83 so i also didn't see it in theaters and saw it as a kid but uh but yeah it's 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 a great film and um next thing i'm gonna do is i have a couple quick facts Mm -hmm. uh and if you want to jump in with your thoughts on each fact you can and then when i when i'm done if you want to throw in a couple extra two um -hmm. that's fine too Uh, so I have that on set Dan Aykroyd referred to the Slimer ghost as the ghost of John Belushi with Slimer's gluttonous eating based on Belushi's cafeteria scene in animal house.
1: No, definitely, I i have heard that. And when Aykroyd was first penning his, his treatment of this, it was originally set in the future and Belushi was supposed to be his, his main co-star, but unfortunately,
0: by the time it came
1: about, oh yeah, no, by the time it came about, he had already passed away, uh, Due to the drug overdose, but um, that was his tribute to him. And interestingly enough, mm. um, Slimer—the name only came about because of the animated show. He was—he's never oh. actually named at any of the movies. They make mention of like all the Slimers and things like that, but he is never specifically named. In fact, the nickname on set was Onion Head because of supposedly the <laughs> smell that he was supposed to have an odor about him.
0: Oh, I've, I've, I've heard, uh, Onion had referenced on, I listened to a uh, comedy bang, bang, mm-hmm. which is like a, a improv podcast. It's so awesome. But, um, they always said that. And I thought that just was cause he looked kind of like an onion. So that, that makes more sense mm-hmm. actually. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and I never thought about the fact that they never say his name, which kind of makes sense. Cause he's not there that often, but, Wow. Okay. Yeah. He he becomes so iconic. <laughs> Did you drink a lot of Ecto Ecto Cooler growing up?
1: Uh, ecto One Cooler. Yes. High C Cooler. <laughs> love when that. When they
0: re-released it uh, a couple years ago, I bought like a case of it. It was so expensive and it tastes terrible. <laughs> but I <laughs> I tried to make t- cocktails out of it. I was like, well, maybe if we add vodka, it'll be like I'll be able to stomach it. But no, it's, it was awful.
1: I think maybe the childhood memories are, are better than what we realize. Like, why did we drink this? Why did we have this?
0: I know I drank it all the time and I'm like questioning my parents allowing me to ingest that amount of sugar. But anyway, it was the 80s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my next uh, quick fact is in the middle of the film's initial release to keep interest going, Ivan Reitman had a trailer run, which is basically just the commercial and the is used in the ghostbusters movie but they replaced the 555 number with a 1-800 number that allowed people to call in and they had a recorded message of bill murray and dan dan Aykroyd saying something like hey we're out catching ghosts or something like that um and they got like a thousand calls per day 24 hours a day six days or for six weeks have you heard that, that?
1: <laughs> i i just read that uh, i found that really fascinating before viral marketing became a thing ivan Reitman sounds like he was ahead of the trend
0: yeah, I mean, these guys are so famous by the time this movie comes out too, right? So, I mean, people, it, it feels like on on their names alone because of like Animal House and um, other movies like that, you know, they're just so popular that I'm sure just their star power helps a lot with that. Oh,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Um, according to his audio commentary on Ghostbusters, uh, the proton packs were much heavier than they looked. And some were heavier than others, depending on what was demanded in certain scenes. So none of the actors liked wearing them. Uh, but according to Reitman, Harold Ramis complained the least. Uh, he doesn't actually mention who complains the most. I'm going to say Bill Murray, but I don't know for sure.
1: Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I, 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 I remember reading that. I think the the, the hint is who who's going to be the complainer on the set. It probably was Bill Murray.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I really liked this fact. Uh, it, it was something that I pulled from Roger Ebert's review. And it just says... This movie is an exception to the general rule that big special effects can wreck a comedy. Special effects require painstaking detail work, and comedy requires spontaneity and improvisation.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: It's so true.
1: (laughs) It it, it is. And I think from listening and and listening to the commentaries and doing some some reading on my own about it, you know, Reitman kind of claimed there was a script. And I think he kind of believed that they, I'll let them do what they need to do you know Mm -hmm. they 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 know they know what are where we're trying to go at with it but i don't i think him allowing the improvisations on on set and there were a number of times i've made note of where they said oh yeah that's definitely wasn't in the script but we went with it
0: yeah i i think that a big i mean this whole movie is always described as lightning in a bottle because it's like it it almost like shouldn't work but I do think a big reason why it does is is these guys, the way that they work together, the fact that they're so incredibly funny, um, and that you've got two writers um, in the movie. You know, they, mm-hmm. they really understand these characters. They wrote these characters, referring, of course, to Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Um, and, and, yeah, they just work really well with Ivan Reitman, who directed both of them in Stripes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it just all works together perfectly. So...
1: Yeah, and I'm it, they, to talk it helps this. that the chemistry they had together as friends, all, all of them on uh, translated very easily on set.
0: Yeah, well, so I could break down every single person that worked on this movie, but I feel like it'll be better if we just kind of dive into the scene mm-hmm. and I'll kind of bring up some more effects while we're talking about them that way. Um, unless you had any quick ones I, you wanted I, to throw in. I just
1: him. had a, a couple of quick ones. Yeah, go um, for it. Ackroyd, his original script for this, actually took place in the future. Um,
0: oh, and, yeah, you mentioned that.
1: Yeah. And um, Stay Puft came very early on and would have cost huge amounts of, of money at that point. And so when, he, <laughs> when Ackroyd sent it to I, Ivan Reitman, he said he likes the idea, but he's the one who suggested bringing in Harold Ramis to help him rewrite it and pitch the idea of a, a starting a business and what that would be like. And when he went to Columbia Pictures in May of 83, um, they didn't have a full script yet. He gave them the pitch and said, okay, I I want to pitch it for $30 million. They said, okay, $30 million. It has to come out June of 1984.
2: Oh my God. So they
1: wrote the script. (laughs) They went up to Mount Vernon, wrote for three weeks in Ackroyd with their whole families. They would write for three weeks straight. And uh, they... Harold Ramis brought in the idea of the parapsychologist working for a university, starting a company he thought would relate better to audiences. And they officially began filming in 83 and got it by the release date of June of 84.
2: Wow.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) guess when you have really good writers, it it can happen in a good director.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or just the will to make it happen.
0: Right. You know, I was thinking about that watching this movie because I love Dan Aykroyd, but, um, I mean, have you ever seen Nothing But Trouble?
1: I've heard of it.
0: I've never actually seen it. Uh... I don't know if you should, but I feel like that's a movie where he got 100% creative control and it is bizarre and hard to sit through. And I feel like he does kind of need someone to rein him in a little bit. <laughs> and I think, you know, coming from someone who's a friend and who understands him and still believes in his vision, it, uh, you know, Harold Ramis really helped with this movie. But I, you can tell, I mean, even when you watch the behind the scenes, um, he, you know, Dan Aykroyd's got a pretty different spin on the entire movie, really. So, mm-hmm.
1: and, yeah, and I, think, I, I
0: definitely think it needed rewrites. <laughs>
1: and, and I think, you know, when they say the heart of the Ghostbusters is Ray, the heart of this movie really is Dan Aykroyd. I mean, his mm-hmm. his passion is this movie. And, you know, someone with a passion can, like you said, sometimes need a little bit of based in reality um, and help them through it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone in the movie is so likable, but yeah, that mentioning that he's the heart, that's, that's 100%. I love Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about, or did you have another no, fact? No, no, I think so. My other facts
1: kind of go into as we go through the plot of the movie.
0: Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into the plot of the movie next. Uh, You can do it chronologically if you want, or if you've just got a few of your favorite scenes, I will yeah, let we- you take the wheel.
1: Yeah, let's uh, kind of do it chronologically. Um, okay. You know, you mentioned the Roger Ebert quote about the effects. Wrightman um, claims that over 80% was done practical. Um, wow. They, they, it, I don't think it was a must. I think it was just the idea of the time of what they could mm-hmm. and couldn't do. Um, but, you know, the the setting up the scene, the first scenes in, in New York um, and starting off as you know this librarian going down and uh, seeing the the books go across the 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 cards flying everywhere at that point and, and it's like wow that's you know how they do that very practically. <laughs>
0: they, yeah, I was they, watching the uh, commentary just before we started recording and I saw that.
1: <laughs> and uh, just and I think the thing was at that point when she gets scared, you don't see the ghost; you just see her reacting. And mm-hmm. I think that's just that it's kind of like you'd never see the shark in Joss until the last second. Right. So
0: Yeah, they never really focus too long on the ghost. Although they look good, especially for the time. I remember that scaring me to death as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those movies. I loved it, but there were certain parts. I was like, oh my gosh, this part is so scary. <laughs> it
1: and it's good. It that, the, the next thing you go to is introducing Peter Bankman. And, mm-hmm. and I think it just perfectly perfectly sets up his character that just that yes short scene <laughs> um
0: yeah sort of implying that he's he's pretty different from ackroyd and harold ramus's character who are both doctors also he's just a uh he's just a professor right
1: yeah i think he's got he as he says later in the film he's got his phds and, and oh,
0: okay okay i, I
1: when we were watching the movie, even my wife said, is he a doctor at all? I said, yeah, he stated it earlier. It's almost like he's, <laughs> he, it almost seemed like he got into the degree because it was, it almost appears like he got into it because it was an easier way to get a PhD.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I noticed like when you look at their names, the, uh, Raymond and Egon, it says doctor, you know, Dr. Yeah. Raymond stance, Dr. Egon speaking, and then his name's just Peter Venkman. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it speaks to his, you know, character, how he mm-hmm. acts. And he's basically a non believer that's sort of taking advantage of people and the situation, um, yeah, it, but becomes it, a believer throughout the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, I think that when the Dean calls him on it later and said, you're, you're a poor excuse, you know, you, you, <laughs> he's using this as, a, as a con and you kind of see that when he's trying to get the girl during this right.
2: time.
0: <laughs> that seems great.
1: <laughs> and then Ray coming in and just saying, we've got it. And just seeing his excitement just and Peter could care less.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he does not believe it's real.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know we flash forward to you know we go to the the library and we meet Egon and uh, Harold Ramis's character and he's the deadpan of the whole movie and, and just the, <laughs> the 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 serious one who is just everything's very fact based
0: Yeah, I loved him. He was my favorite as a kid, and I think the cartoon may have had something to do with that too. But he was my absolute favorite.
1: <laughs> and, and just then there. Bankman's interviewing of the of the librarian I think there were so many just one-liners out of that <laughs> whole <are>. scene I <laughs> think the two favorite everyone goes to is are you Alice menstruating right now
0: I, I love that one. she's like what
1: <laughs> and the head of the the I guess the university or something what does that have to do with anything and he's a back off man I'm a scientist
0: <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna quote that one <laughs>
1: And I think even in the commentator they're saying we got more quotable quotes from that were on t-shirts because of this movie. Just like back <laughs> off man, I'm a scientist. Are you Alice yeah. menstruating right now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's perfect.
1: But uh, you know, when they go down and just I I could I wish I could see an actual script just to kind of go back and forth seeing what was there, what was not. It just seems like as they're going through and they tell Peter here have a get get a sample, and he responds. Someone blows your nose, and you want to you want to keep it, and just his whole this. <laughs> Let's put him in the worst situation and just have him complain the whole time.
0: Things were so goopy back then too, huh? Like in the eighties, <laughs> or like I feel like it started with Alien, and just things were very very goopy for a while.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, this
0: movie is no exception. And,
1: and then they get to the the part where. You actually see the librarian, and the the you would think Egon Ray, they would want to jump at the chance, and, and <laughs> they turned to Peter, saying, "Why don't you?" You know, basically saying, "We don't want to talk to him. Why don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I was reading that when they uh, did the test screening for this scene at Columbia, when the li- when the librarian transforms, and the people both screamed and laughed. I, I, they're saying that they knew they had a a, a good hit on their hands because that's what they, they were going for
0: yes yeah I feel like you know now the effects are a little different you know like if you come into this movie and you haven't seen it as a kid so you're not like afraid but that is something that was really cool and unique about the movie was the effects were good and so it was scary and funny
1: mm-hmm. and um what did you think about kind of how when they go, when they leave and they're starting to come back and they're saying, oh, we got all these plans and then Dean kicks them out.
0: (laughs) Um, I don't know. It seemed like he just didn't want to deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) And he just wanted them out of there and almost was sort of like blaming them for bringing this on them, I guess. What what did you think?
1: (laughs) It almost seemed like we we saw like a taste of what either Peter or everyone had been dealing with and they hadn't produced anything. So it's just like- Go ahead. Sorry. It's just kind of say it's like, okay, we've had enough. <laughs> you don't do anything <laughs> for us. <laughs>
0: Does, does the whole, like, all of them working there and having to produce work and all that, it, it sort of vaguely reminds me of, like, Big Bang Theory a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little really bit, like yeah. Show. Yeah. <laughs> Except I was trying to, uh, thinking about it, saying, which one's the con man? Maybe it's Howard, in a sense? <laughs> Maybe
0: Howard, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, uh, well, and also around this time, I felt like they made a bunch of college movies, you know, mm-hmm. even though a lot of them didn't go to college, but. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's
0: that's <laughs> fun <funnier. laughs> Yeah. But it but it's funny like a lot of Ivy League stuff. But some of them did, but um but yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess yeah, it just it just speaks to the fact that these guys are not like at the top of their field respected scientists. These uh-huh. guys are I mean, everyone thinks it's a joke, you know, that um that, that this stuff isn't real and that it's a waste of you know, school funds, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, I, I think them being underdogs, the whole movie also is is a really good part of it. I mean, they're not like experts in a way because they know a lot about it, but all of this is new territory for them. I mean, when they see that ghost, it's the first time they've ever seen it. And yeah. I think having that journey with them is, is part of what makes it so funny and just, you know, a little bit, it, it, it makes the characters a little more relatable, I
2: think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just... I like how they were trying when they said, "Okay, we're going to start this business," and you hear <laughs> them going through it and know, how we're we going to get the capital. I don't know. And then they get they get the money, and all Peter's thinking of, we can franchise this, we can make money again. He's he's the <laughs> non believer that thinks, oh, even if we try and we get a little bit of money on it, we we're successful. I could care less if this is real.
0: Right. Yeah. That that's again. I think it's why we keep forgetting or not knowing if he's a doctor or not, <laughs> because he doesn't treat this like like science. He treats it like a money opportunity. Yeah.
1: What I found interesting when they finally find the the place, they they were saying on the commentary that the out the firehouse that the outside shots are in New York and the inside shots are a firehouse in L.A. and they oh. said the and they said the interesting thing is they both were built in 1921.
0: Oh, random. So they, they looked pretty similar then. That's why they were kind of, yeah.
1: So that makes sense. I don't, I can't remember. I think I've, I don't think I've seen it. I've always tried it whenever I've gone to the city and it's never worked out of just finding that specific uh, firehouse because it's still there.
0: Yeah. I've seen people take pictures like outside of it or like point at it, but I haven't personally done it.
1: But uh, yeah, then we, you know, we, they get the place and uh, you know, then we move on to uh, getting introduced to our, uh, our I don't like calling her a damsel in distress because she definitely <laughs> is not, <laughs> but uh Sigourney Weaver comes in.
0: Yeah. I don't know if Sigourney Weaver's ever played a damsel in distress. Alien, <laughs> it's alien impossible.
1: That it's yeah. Like
2: you
0: <laughs> After that, it's hard to see her as, as, as in distress at all. <laughs> she seems in charge. No, I, I actually like that. They picked her to play Dana Barrett. I think her dynamic with Bill Murray, who, you know, his character is sleazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but she keeps him in check and it, it feels like sort of like they're a little more evenly matched, whereas it could have been really creepy, you know, taking advantage of her. But it's not because it's Sigourney Weaver and mm-hmm. you know she's she's pretty no nonsense. And she does yeah. she does a great job in this film.
1: And I think they kind of surprised they were surprised when she wanted to audition for this because she had done Alien. She'd done lots of dramas. And, mm-hmm. and when she wants to audition, I mean, she was already a huge name at that point. Yeah. So uh they said during the audition, uh, they didn't really give her, but she took it seriously that she was going to be turning into a dog. And so she jumped <laughs> on the couch and imitated a dog. And apparently Ivan Reitman had to stop her and say, okay, um, don't ever do that again. Because if you ever <laughs> tell her editor, he's going to find a way to use this footage.
0: <laughs> yeah. But hey, at least we know she's funny and she's willing to go the extra mile. <laughs> oh, yes,
1: definitely. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm glad they didn't make her a damsel in distress at that point. Because like you said, she does go toe to toe with with uh, Peter Bankman a number of times in the film. And I yeah. think that's what made him even a stronger character because it's like, oh, well, this, my fast ones aren't going to work over her as easily. I got to work for her.
0: Yeah, which he seems to enjoy (laughs) yeah he's like a challenge yeah
1: (laughs) yeah and then uh you know we see who she is and then as we're introduced to her we're introduced to uh rick moranis my favorite i love him (laughs) Louis tully (laughs) i was saying uh, oh go go ahead real quick
0: i just want to say a couple quick things about rick moranis uh you know number one i i love him so much i watched honey i shrink the kids a million times as a child and also uh, little shop of horrors mm-hmm. and i was telling my husband when we were, when we we're re-watching this i feel like you know uh Dana Carvey mm-hmm. in Wayne's World I feel like he channels <laughs> Rick Moran so hard in this part like there's oh, so yeah. small. glasses the the way they're talking I don't know he must have been a big fan of his um and they're both Canadian I think
1: mm-hmm. so yeah. I don't
0: know that's part of it too but I just I just noticed that this time I, like going back and watching it.
1: Yeah, it it was interesting hearing that originally the part was going to be written for John Candy. Yeah, it's a
0: picture. <laughs> it is,
1: and I think Rick Moranis was in the wings waiting because they said, "Well, we got John Candy," but I think Candy, from what they're saying, kept on delaying it and wanting to change the part, saying he should have Rottweilers and a German accent, and um, it seemed that they wanted he wanted to uh, do something different, and he eventually passed on the role, mm. and so when they Rick Brandis came into the picture, and Ivan Reitman allowed him to take the part in a new direction. Actually he wrote most of his own dialogue.
0: Oh. Well it so, worked. <laughs> yes.
1: And it just it, it was just saying he's a nerdy guy. I I don't it was interesting just seeing I don't know what you felt. Did you feel he had a crush on and Dana?
0: Oh absolutely i felt like everything was to impress her even that party like you get the sense that this guy's never been to a party or enjoyed a party later in the movie when there was Uh a party Um, and i felt like everything was to try to like bump into her or coax her into his apartment somehow and i think just it's hilarious because he's so like tiny and nerdy and she's so like tall and elegant and I I think it just made for good comedy, but yeah, I definitely sensed that he loved her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and it was interesting just seeing the directions they take in future films with his character and Mm -hmm. uh, what they did with it. You know, it's interesting to see Rick Moranis as an actor, he kind of bowed out of acting for a while. and I I was curious about that. I looked it up this, this weekend and apparently his wife had, uh, had died uh, suddenly back. And so he, he did a very good thing and wanted to be a father. (laughs) And yeah. take care of his family. So,
0: yeah, very admirable. And I think he's kind of started dipping his toe back into returning. Is that right?
1: I I, I did, did see on his on his IMDb. I think he either was a voice. I think he did a voice thing on uh, the Goldbergs.
0: Oh, gotcha. Yeah, he was such a huge part of my childhood. It's just like I I loved him so much as a kid. <laughs>
1: so I would love to see him again, but you know, yeah. I, I totally understand it. But you know, we look at the scene where we Dana starts. Dana's apartment starts getting haunted with the eggs yes. and we get the little slide, a uh, little thing of the Stay Puff marshmallows there, hints of things to come.
0: Yeah. I didn't notice that until watching it this time, the Stay Puff stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's always interesting when you watch movies as a kid and you watch them over and over again, and then you see it as adults adult saying, Oh, I get that joke. Oh, I totally missed that now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, what did you either thinking back to as a kid or something like that, when she opens up that fridge, how, what was your reaction at that point?
0: <laughs> uh, I thought it was scary, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think it looks really cool as an adult. <laughs>
1: and, and I think they caught, made it relatable at that point, her reaction just saying what yeah. the heck is going on at that point. <laughs> and there's something in the fridge and and on the commentary, they were saying that that's that footage in the fridge had not been, Done.
0: Oh, so she just kinda had to like improvise?
1: Well, to the audience. The audience yeah. never saw oh, that gotcha. footage and it just had scene missing and they said that the audience just freaked out. They said, Oh my god, what could this be?
0: <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs>
1: so uh but I like it how she just slams it and you don't see if she's ever left or if anything else happened. You know, it, it was a good kind of again, I think they do a very good job in at points just giving you hints of what's there, not giving you full ideas of what's going on. Weird stuff's yeah, yeah. happening, but it, it, I like it that they don't go over the edge of trying to really be too overly scary.
0: Right, right, yeah. Sometimes the fear of what could be is scarier than what you see, and
2: yeah. yeah.
1: With, uh, you know, going when the, you see them uh, setting up the, the, the firehouse, and then Ray comes in, I think my wife got the biggest chuckle when he brings in the car and lists out all the problems <laughs> with the car. And he said he got it for a heck of a deal. And I think it's like 4,800. And my wife's comment was, that's not a deal even today, less alone in the 80s for, that, <laughs> for the amount of problems that are still with that car.
0: That is true. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that that car became so incredibly iconic too?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, I, even I would be like, shoot. I would love to have it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you have like the Batmobile, then the DeLorean. Now you have the Ecto-1.
0: I mean, seriously, I, I, I watched some of the behind the scenes. There was a featurette on, they were for the anniversary of the film, mm-hmm. like souping up a, a car, I guess a replica. Yeah. And just, you know, all the all the work that they were explaining going into it, and then they had Dan Aykroyd come and test drive it, and it was really cool. And I, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of really cool, iconic things in this movie that I think just for some reason add to why it's so successful. Like Like you're saying, in the same way that the DeLorean is just so synonymous with um, Back to the Future, it's like the Ghostbusters and their Ecto One. It's it's a big part of the movie. It's like a, a vehicle that you love. I don't know if that comes from like loving cars, because I feel like cars are a big part of um uh Blues Brothers too. You know, uh-huh. the the car and then the cop cars. And it's like I I who whoever Had input on that. Really, really enjoys cars. I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) make sure they're front and center. Yeah, it definitely just like we said, it's iconic, and it's just one of those things that saying you know, you look at you see that car, you know exactly where it's from.
0: I feel silly because as a kid, I don't think I noticed that it was a Hearst at all. (laughs) But when I'm an adult, i like, duh, it's obviously one. But I think as a kid, I just didn't notice. (laughs) I think I just didn't notice. Yeah.
1: No, I definitely didn't until you mentioned it. I think like, you're right. That's just fits even more. A uh, hearse goes busting. That totally fits.
0: Yeah. And it's like, I think because when you're a kid, you probably don't really even know what a hearse is. You just kind of, that just goes over your head.
1: <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then Dana comes in at, at, and I, I, it's there's so many good scenes, but, Seeing, uh, we, you know, before that, we before that, we got another character introduced, Annie Potts. As uh, I Janine. love Annie
0: Potts, I love designing women, so and, <laughs> and also she was on a uh, pretty in pink, another one of my favorite movies. So,
1: <laughs> and what blew my mind was that she's a southerner,
0: yeah, yeah, I, I, I I've did read not, that, yeah.
1: I did not know that she was a southerner because she played such a good it was the accent was like I don't know if it was stereotypical, or whatever, but it seemed spot on to me.
0: Oh yeah, to me too. Yeah, I think I feel like in desi- in designing women, she ha- she's southern. I feel like they all are, but it's been so long ago since I've seen it. I might be combining it with like Golden Girls. I
1: don't I don't know. <laughs> ne- ne- never <laughs> never saw I never saw um, designing women. I guess you know being a guy <laughs> that wouldn't be yeah, in my repertoire. <laughs>
0: It was kind of weird for me to see it, too, actually, because I was born in 83. So like when it was on, I wasn't really like old enough to appreciate it. But for some reason, I remember watching it a lot. My mom probably watched it or something. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then you you get the kind of the fit, the the trying of a romance between Egon and uh, (laughs) Janine.
0: I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were watching it. I was like telling my husband, I'm like, I had the biggest crush on Egon. And he's like, well, I had a big crush on Annie Potts. And I was like, well, there you go. We're meant to be. There you go.
1: <laughs> At it, least it, in Annie's mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, she's, she's actively trying and, and things that he <laughs> says are probably going way overhead. And you can tell it's like, oh, that's fascinating. You know, I, I do this. <laughs> what do you, what do you collect? Spores, molds, and fungus.
0: <laughs> his delivery is so great
1: yeah it's even the this a the simple lines at that point it's not meant to be funny but it's just the delivery of them are, are great yeah but you know then Dana Barrett walks in and like I said the seed just makes you laugh he, he bankman hears a pretty voice
2: <laughs> and just <laughs>
1: perks up and then just leaps over <laughs> to say oh I'll handle this <laughs> <laughs> and and the Ray and Egon analyzing and telling all the science stuff that's you can actively see Peter just like, I, whatever, I, I just want to spend more time <laughs> with her.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not really listening to her, <laughs> but pretending to.
1: Yeah. So and then they go to her apartment and check out, you know, what's going on there and nothing's, you know, she's describing it, but obviously it's not happening. And, <laughs> and she kind of calls them out saying, do you even know how to use that thing? And, you know, you act like more of a a, a game show host.
0: <laughs> I know. I love that she calls him out. And when he goes to her apartment, it's very, he. he it's like he's expecting something different to happen there. Like he's like, oh, oh yeah. I get to go to her apartment and, you know, and, and then I get to show off in front of her and act like a uh, expert, which um, an expert <laughs> in something we just started like a day ago. So mm-hmm. she immediately calls him out on that. And it's really funny.
1: And if you know, it's the first place he goes to Speaking of like, he he thinks other things are going down the first place he goes is her bedroom.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he mentions that. And she's just like, no,
2: <laughs> it's pretty funny.
1: But earlier you had said that, you know, he looks at the challenge, does the line he says as he's leaving, as she basically kicks him out saying I, I'm going to solve your little problem. I'm going to, I'm going to prove myself to you.
0: <laughs> your little problem.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, she probably thinks at that point, well, I'm never going to see him again. I'm, I'm crazy. It's, it's all in my head at this point. Um, right. And you know, how he's still trying as they're sitting down saying, you know, we should keep her as a client. We need to take some, take her out to dinner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll always thinking of something else pretty much.
1: <laughs> I wanted to say to Peter, do you understand you, th- this isn't a bank? Uh, you're not taking out a client like that.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um but just the, the, the call that they finally get when the Janine takes the call and she yells out, we got one. <laughs> you don't even know what it is. And they're just saying, we got a call. We get to go down the pole. We, you know, we, and we see the Ecto-1 in its full glory racing out. And, and I just remember as a kid saying, oh my gosh, are now we're getting into it. We're, we're going to see something.
0: <laughs> yes. I love that their suits too, look like, um, uh you know, they look like exterminators. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they kind of look like firefighters, but to me, they look more like exterminators and they've got that little, uh, it looks like an exterminator. Um, their proton pack does a little bit. Oh too. yeah.
1: I, so I it's kind of like an
0: in-between joke, you know, fireman or exterminator. And it, it works. It's, it's really funny.
1: And I definitely, even at, at like I said, I'm a self-admitted <laughs> geek and nerd. Um, uh, but in, in every Halloween, if I don't have a to dress up as my go-to is just my, uh, my short sleeve uh, modeled after the, uh, the Ghostbusters suit. Uh, in The, nice. the, the uh, this, the get up for it at that point. I love it that, like you said, it looks like an exterminator. They had that, that clear tube coming out of. Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're, spraying <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> they're spraying stuff. They're spraying stuff. And apparently the clear tube, there actually was a purpose behind it. Um, Ackroyd, the, the costume designer said they, Ackroyd had it all laid out and they kind of followed it. Apparently the clear tube was, well, when you see ghosts, um, you might get scared and things happen when you get scared uh, going to the bathroom. And so that was meant to supposedly clear it out.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so he, he, so
1: he kind of thought of everything of saying, OK, if we're going to go for it, let's go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. he he was He's definitely all in. And I was going to mention too, uh, when we're talking about the proton packs, one Halloween, uh, because me and my husband cosplay, sometimes our family members think that we can literally do anything, even though that's not the case. Uh, but one time, uh, my mom actually was like, hey, we want to be in this uh, Halloween contest uh, with a bunch of people at their country club. And she was like, could you guys make us proton packs? We are like, uh, and they were like, here's (laughs) what, here's what you have to work with. And she gave us two, um, two boxes, like just cardboard boxes Mm -hmm. and a bunch of junk. And she's like, that's what I got. And so, (laughs) and so we like glued it to these boxes and spray painted it and gave it back to her. Mm -hmm. And they actually won the contest. I I guess they didn't have stiff, stiff competition. None of the, uh, you know, official cosplayer Ghostbusters were there, but but we, we did the best with what we had. So.
1: And and apparently it was successful enough.
0: Yes. (laughs) But I always think that's so funny. She was just like, you know, to like other people that are in that hobby, they would be like, what? You want me to make a proton pack in like one day? No. Um, But then she was like, here's what you have. And we're like, this actually, I mean, that's fun. Like, we'll do it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I like a challenge. Right. And, And you know, they get, they're in the hotel and, mm-hmm. you know, you get the reactions of all the people, you know, and, and Janine said, Oh, yeah, they'll totally be discreet. And the first thing Peter says, anyone seen a ghost? And they're showing up. And my wife made the comment as they show up saying, Yeah, talk about being discreet. Not not only how they look, but the commentary they make.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the scene in uh, also in Blues Brothers when they're in like that restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it, yep. it feels like there's a lot of, you know, thumbing your nose at like authority, whether that be the cops or school or whatever. It's just they're doing stuff that we all kind of want to do, you know. Oh, yeah. And so, I, again, it's just another thing that makes the Ghostbusters so fun.
1: Like you said, it's more the underdog. It's continuing being doubted mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and she, the scene in the elevator as we're going up to the floor <laughs> saying, oh, Who's worried? Each one of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear reactor on their back, and then they <laughs> and then uh, they switch them on, and you notice that they're Egon starting to move away, saying, "Well, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that that time, <laughs> this time, uh, yeah. uh,
1: before, uh, and uh, they come out of the elevator, and uh, I was reading that the the maid scene was a complete mishap of how it oh was my
0: happening.
1: Gosh. They had told." The actress that was playing the maid, okay, your your cart is 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 lit for pyro. When you see the strobes, they're gonna go off, and we need you to jump away. She said, "Okay," and uh, it completely took her more by surprise. She didn't understand what was uh, what was about to happen, and so her oh line is God. what and her line is saying, "What the hell are you doing?" That all that unscripted. <laughs>
0: oh my god it's so dangerous
1: yeah she's lucky
0: actually <laughs> true
1: because the way it looks on screen is like oh god
0: <laughs> yeah it's like i mean things are really burned after that
1: <laughs> and just peter's is like well, yeah let's split up we'll do more damage that way
0: <laughs> i love that the hotel is forced to call these guys like that's just again like going back to their thumbing their nose at stuff it's like They're they're forced to call these people that they don't really trust, but like there's literally no one else. I mean, the song says, "Who you gonna call?"
1: And 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 I just want to know. We never see it on screen. It's like, was it? Did they see the ad, or did someone like behind the manager saying, "Well, I saw this thing. It seems like a good (laughs) idea."
0: That would have been a good deleted scene.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How did this come about? How did you find these guys? (laughs) Um, And you know the the infamous we meet we meet Slimer and Bankman meets Slimer. Oh, actually before that, Ackroyd meets Slimer.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, but, you know, I just like, he's on the raid. It's like, oh, I, I saw him, I saw him. It's like, yeah, he, he he's looking at me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and makes a lot of sense. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? He's like, I think he can hear you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they don't know that much about these poltergeist, scenes, no. So they, they need to be careful.
1: <laughs> and, and I like it that We don't ever, we can create our own stories about who they were in a former life. Right? Yeah, like hotel
0: guest or, yeah.
1: And just going after, and we don't know what's going to happen to Peter at that point. The music is is pumping. It's like, oh my gosh, is Peter alive? Is what's happened? And Ray comes upon him and he says, he slimed me. (laughs) Turning slime into a verb. (laughs)
0: He slimed me. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of anticlimactic, too. It's like all that music, like you said, and then it's just eh, be slimy. That's 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 pretty much it. (laughs)
1: And and, and again, Egon's line line is uh, great where he saved some for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they uh, end up tracking him to the uh, the dining room. and, And just that that's just I don't know. Improv. Everything was just there's so much good stuff in that scene. Oh, for sure. The uh, I I think the whole idea of them really never testing this, and it's pretty obvious they're not testing it, is you know e- Egon. They're all trying to catch him, and Egon's just firing at him behind the bar and just basically destroys the bar and <laughs> <in> bankman's lying <laughs> saying, oh, it's nice shooting Tex."
0: Yeah, well, it is kind of like a, a country western scene, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, <laughs> there's always that bar scene, so
1: yeah, and uh, just them finally and then we get the infamous crossing the streams like oh, oh we're figuring all this stuff <laughs> let me mention this one thing what, what about crossing the streams <laughs> and yeah. how much that has been used in our in our lexicon and uh for sure. what really crossing the streams is all about
0: right 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 there's a lot of yeah like uh, yeah it's pretty funny <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll leave that forever people to at, yeah put one and y- one together at that point
0: <laughs> interpret that how you will yeah <laughs>
1: um you know and they finally uh capture capture Slimer and and she's like okay this is how okay this is how it's gonna work I just remember and it's a line in the second Ghostbusters about just saying, how can I get a proton pack and, and it's like <laughs> that hooked me I was like I want a proton pack I want to do this
0: <laughs> he's the audience you know
1: yeah <laughs> and uh they you know Bankman coming out and saying we came we saw we kicked its ass
0: <laughs> Which is an amazing line.
1: Oh yeah, and apparently Ivan Reitman made made uh, Bill Murray do that a uh, number of times, and had different lines, different ways. And apparently, when this was aired on TV, one of those cut lines is actually—it's not a dub thing. Uh, Bill Murray actually said it. Apparently, it's—he said, "What a knock about a pure fun that was for for the TV that didn't like the word ass."
0: Man, when you say that, I feel like I remember that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I must I, have I, seen it on TV a lot. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't. I can't remember when I, like I said, I watched it with VHS uh, recording. I don't know if ABC was okay with that word or not, but. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then they, then you see exactly talking about them making a deal with the hotel manager.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> did,
1: did Did you notice who was leading whom on the uh, the price?
0: No, no.
1: If you if you watch, um Peter's trying to come up with a price and in Egon's ever so slightly we're you know, what are we talking about? And he kinda of puts onto his his face like fingers and, and it's like this is gonna cost three, <laughs> this is gonna cost one, and he's ever so subtle about it, but he's getting his leads from Egon, which is very oh, surprising. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> well, Egon knows how much everything costs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, what, what Peter definitely do? does not. No, nope. he's
0: not as invested.
1: <laughs> sure, he just wants to make money, right? Um, and so they they go to the big sequence. I think that's probably one of. If I had to pick a a, a the sequence, I love the the sequence of the montage that they do after yes. with going through it. Um, and apparently, the very first scene of the movie was them running just down the street. Uh, apparently, oh, that's yeah, they like them just putting in impact. That was scene one, and people were saying, "What are you all doing?" Ghostbusters it's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I heard too um, that Reitman said seeing them all together like that. He was like, wow, this is special. Like this is going to be, this is going to be good. There's just something about the way that it looked. And I kind of keep coming back to that. I really do feel like that is a big part of this movie. the The, the vehicle, their suits, you know, there's just so much, stuff that ended up being iconic but i wonder what it was like seeing it you know for the first time and it seemed like at least he says now uh mm-hmm. the director was like saying that you know even back then he could tell right away like oh man all this stuff really sticks out it looks really good together like this could be big
1: yeah it's it's just again it's just this those moments that, that, that when they become the ghostbusters at that point um and just that i wish i could find i, I just love the the actual magazines, newspapers of having them out, that that was a really cool touch about yeah. you know, seeing how big they're becoming.
0: Mm-hmm. And like all the people holding the T-shirts and oh. it's like, as you watch it, you're turning into a fan too. So I don't know. There's just a lot of cool stuff about that scene.
1: I just wonder if I'm just trying to say, man, if this actually existed in this society, how would people react? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ask Dan Aykroyd. I think he's got a lot of ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> I, I think one of my fa- uh, when I I, was, I paused it when we watched it uh, this weekend, and I think my favorite magazine cover was The Atlantic. Apparently, do ghosts have rights? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that's going to come up, right? We talked yeah. about who were they, how they get here. We don't know that their intentions are always bad. I mean, until Zool gets involved. But, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. they. I, I, I would be for exploring that.
2: <laughs> yeah
1: and as you go through that you see um you know they're they're making money they're being successful everyone's calling them at that point and then at the end of the montage we we get our introduction to uh, our new ghostbuster
2: yes
0: um, yeah, yeah, Ernie Hudson as yep. Winston, Ernie Winston Zeddermore.
1: Yeah, Winston Zedmore. And uh, in the book, uh, they had, like, uh, the ultimate visual history. They actually had a, uh, I caught this uh, at the end of the, uh, looking at the first movie, a preview card uh, for when they were doing this in test audiences. And apparently, uh, Winston Zedmore is labeled as the Ghostbusters security guard.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because... You know, Eddie Murphy was supposed to be him, right
1: they that that Ackroyd denies that he said he oh. was supposed to have it a part, but he never he never um said it was ever supposed to be Winston. but I've heard that, but it, he he's he sensed like it's, it's people think that, but it it was it just interesting coincidence.
0: I think people think that because watching the movie, you just get a sense that he was supposed to be more important somehow. Mm-hmm. Because he just feels so thrown in towards the end. And I get, like, they're probably trying to be sensitive to the fact that it wasn't super diverse and they were Uh trying to add someone. But I just, I always got the feeling, like, if he was more famous, like, they're all really famous Uh and he's not. So I I always just felt like there should have been... He should have also been a you know another big comedian and like maybe he was supposed to be and that's why his roles diminish but it is noticeable you know especially as an adult when you go back and watch mm-hmm.
1: it and I felt that same way and in the book it, it you say that I'm glad you said that because in the book they give some they give some background because of that because when Eddie Hudson got the script he had a lot more part in this
2: mm-hmm. and
1: what started happening was he had some great lines and. They they ended up changing it over to Bill Murray having a lot of those lines, and Yikes. so when it changed when it changed over, and it had nothing to do with and and Ernie Hudson doesn't have any kind of remorse for it. It was just a change over in how they wanted to do the oh. direction of the film. Um, and so when he he is supposed to come in very early in the in the how they right, originally I read wrote that. it, yeah. And so uh, when he comes in, but I like that he is supposed to be. He and one of the lead scenes I don't know, which you saw it like he lists all his qualifications like he's he's former military and very way overqualified for this position.
0: Yeah, um, it, it would be cool to hear that though in the movie. Yeah, because you I got- do feel like there's something missing. I mean, there there's now that kind of uh, iconic part of Stranger Things mm-hmm. um, where I, I can't remember the kid's name, but I, I can never remember all their names. But um, uh, you know that that kid gets to be or they say, you're going to be Winston. And he's like, why? Like he does the least <laughs> in the movie. And it's like, it's true. It's like, I totally believe that they moved everything over to Bill Murray's character. That's fine. But it, it is noticeable that he mm-hmm. doesn't have as much in the movie to do And It would have been cool to hear his background because I get the sense watching the movie. He's kind of supposed to be us. Mm-hmm. You know, he's supposed to be the outsider that comes in and maybe a little window for us. Like I'm not a professor. I'm not a doctor, you know, but he's like a, a normal guy. Um, yeah. but it, it still would have been cool to hear a couple quick qualifications as to why he he lands it, and you kind of don't really get that sense. So i I could see like security guard does end up kind of sounding like what he's like. Yeah,
1: it just it, it, I read that it's like oh that really just diminishes who he's really supposed to be, and then seeing the deleted scene when he does give his his qualifications, I get why they they did it because they wanted him to be the one to explain this to us as the audience, like to right. say that this is like you said, he's not a doctor. It doesn't come off like that. And I don't think even even his qualifications. He had a, a PhD or anything like that. But, um, as he says later on, when he signs up to do the second one, he has a lot more, but they had actually become more friends. And he says it shows in the second movie more like he was the new guy. So he was close with them, but not to that point in the second movie, they had become closer friends. And he said, even in real life, we became closer friends. So he, um, I I definitely don't think it it sounds like Ernie Hudson holds anything over on uh, the diminished role that he originally signed on for versus um, what he was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of him being like the newcomer Mm -hmm. and like we're saying, like he's the audience because that's exciting. That's like all these, you know, science nerds and then you come in there and then you become part of the team. Like that's that's heartwarming and that's Mm -hmm. that's good. Uh, I like that. Um, Yeah.
1: and I'm more and I'm more surprised at saying like he 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 said I'll I'll do anything for a steady paycheck and I was like why is there not a line out the door for this I would just want to be a part of him, too
0: <laughs> I know <laughs> they're the only game in town <laughs> yeah
1: but they they go into you can see kind of see at that part when he gets hired it's just like. Peter's getting tired, Ray's getting tired, and, and Ivan Reitman in the commentary said this is kind of where Ray's original script starts taking over. I mean, uh Dan Ackrid's script starts taking over.
0: Mm, um, when we get sense, to the real stuff.
1: <laughs> in the sense of like they weren't going to be the only Ghostbusters. They was, they are um one of many in his original oh, script. Gotcha. And so they become the janitors and so they're kind of getting tired and you kind of see that. Um,
0: oh, okay. Okay.
1: And uh but you kind of get that feeling like thing okay it's not as fun anymore that it's becoming a big bigger deal
0: right they went from firemen to like cops
1: yeah <laughs> and uh then we get our our, our villain william mm-hmm. atherton as walter peck <laughs> <laughs> um i, I I swear, I've only seen him ever be a, a this actor ever be something that I'm never a fan of. Um, Die Hard comes <laughs> to mind. Die Hard <laughs> Two comes to mind. <laughs> um, I I love he plays it so well. He just plays yeah. the complete the complete opposite and just a great foil to uh, Bill Murray and uh, Peter. Oh sure. But I, I love. Did you hear? how atherton kind of responded to ivan reitman after a year after the film came out did you hear that part of the commentary
0: no no tell me
1: he, he said uh a year after um he saw atherton and he thought he was going to greet him with reitman with huge hugs how successful the movie was how big how this is making him a bigger star he says do you realize i can't walk into any kind of public place or a bar without someone wanting to pick a fight with me <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he does look like the quintessential 80s bad guy. Yeah. Like suit, red hair, everything. I don't know why, but they all had the same look.
1: And uh, Atherton told Harold Ramis that he was walking down the street and a school bus of kids were yelling at him and he turned around, smiled and waved. And they said, as it comes to the end of the, at one point of the movie, yo, Dickless.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's true.
0: This yeah. man is Dickless. <laughs> yes.
1: And, and so I found that interesting It's say, like, man, people took this to a heart <laughs> <laughs> but i think that whole scene back and forth with bill murray and bill mean uh, peter Brankman calling his bluff saying yeah. you come in with a court order you do that okay we'll see who wins this fight
0: yeah but exactly
1: what did you feel did you feel his portrayal was over the top or just enough
0: i thought it was just enough i felt like he needed to be like a ridiculous mustache twirly bad guy and i like that <laughs>
1: yeah it, it, it seemed like he didn't overplay his hand. He just went far enough that saying, okay, we, we you're going to be the bad guy. In this one. Right. Um, and so. and bad uh, guys
0: were always suits in the eighties, you know?
1: Yep. So. It, it, you know, <laughs> he kind of also reminds me of, uh, the, the principal in Ferris Bueller's day off.
0: Right. The, yeah, the, exactly.
2: <laughs> he
1: says, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove what frauds you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, then we, we move on to, uh, the. The party with lewis
0: mm-hmm. and, this is the party i said i think it's all a ruse i think he yeah. put this desperate party together to, to get dana's attention
1: especially when you see his disappointment when she uh she's uh oh actually I, I i didn't mean to jump ahead to the party the um was it the the scene where peter shows her like what he's researched at the fountain
2: oh right before, that's right, before right. The party. okay um,
1: and It's just telling him everything about like this is what I found out things like that, and then he gets the date, which leads her not to go to the party. But um, in in seeing the second film, at least a theory, and and I think they also say in the commentary, I always thought that the the nameless father in the second movie for Dana's kid is this this uh, cellist that she. uh,
2: Oh
1: so that was at least my and then i hear it's like okay at least i'm not on the wrong track but they never acknowledge it at that point <laughs> oh but, gotcha oh um, but yeah she turns him down at the party said no nah, i'm sorry i'm not gonna i'm not gonna come and you see his disappointment because you're right it seems at that point he's saying oh i wanted you to because <laughs> there's to a girl come.
0: at the party that's interested in him too and he's not having it
1: and apparently that's casey Kasem's wife or at least oh really they, they, they said that's his wife i don't know i I I don't know if at the time it was one, if he was married to her, but yeah, apparently that was Casey Kasem's wife is really into it. But the whole party line they said is Rick Morenz just went no lines, no nothing. He improvised the entire one camera movement.
0: Oh my gosh. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> and then saying, saying, and he's such, he's playing the part great in the sense of like, he's using this as a tax write-off because he's only inviting clients not not right. friends <laughs> <laughs> i
2: have
0: a su- i have a suspicion he doesn't have a long list of friends either <laughs>
1: that was my other thing too is that he can yeah. say that but i'm not sure about you <laughs> having lots of friends on your own <laughs> um and the uh you know the the dog coming out saying who who, who brought the dog and, and you can <laughs> yeah. see at that point that the times they really do special effects uh oh, the terror dog you can tell at the time like when they he's busting out at that point and the running across the street you can really tell that it's saying it's just kind of rough cg for back in the day <laughs> but it worked it,
0: it is but it worked back then yep. and you know what it's like 80s nostalgia now so go with it <laughs>
1: but and even then it i think it just works for the film even watching it today like you, I, I i cringe and say oh how much better it would be but uh, it, it works just because of how the movie is supposed to be
0: Right. Like, you don't want it to be too realistic. Yeah. Like, it's still a comedy.
1: Yeah. We're, we're, we're dealing with a dog that from another plane of existence. So.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but, but I love when they end up at Tavern on the Green and Lewis is banging on the thing, trying to get help. And the terror dog takes him over and everyone looks, ah, all right, uh, whatever. Typical, <laughs> typical, stereotypical New York. Saying, please. Seen that, seen that before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I love whenever that joke is played about New York.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and then we, uh, when and then I can't remember either, probably it was after the party or right before we see the party scene is uh, the scene of Dana getting taken. And, oh, that's and right. I, that was, that was, I would say even as a kid, that was pretty, that was pretty jarring.
0: Yeah. It's kind of intense. And also what she turns into and stuff is intense too. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> And it, that was in the book. They'd said that in order to get the, the hands to come out, they apparently had already prefabricated the chair, like lessened it with acid at that point so they could bust through a lot easier. And
2: oh my they weren't so good weaver.
1: They kind of said, Where do you want them to grab you? And, and they had <laughs> different versions of like hands, hands with suckers, hands with like nails at that point. And she said, Nails and grab where you wish. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> what I a trooper. Think- I think she just fell in and she's, she's an amazing actress anyways. And she just said, no, dude, I want to make this as real as possible. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I like that. I like that approach.
1: And uh, so when Peter comes in and sees uh, who uh, I can't, she, I want to say she's the, she's the key master or the gatekeeper. One of the two.
0: I thought the guy was the key master and she's the gatekeeper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody th- will correct us. Somebody <laughs> will, yes, at
1: that point. And they'll yell at us. How, how can you say you're a fan and, and, and not Right. I'm sorry. I apologize.
0: <laughs> when you're recording, like, sometimes facts just fly out of your brain. It just True. happens.
1: And we will. I will <laughs> gladly fall down on my sword if anything I got wrong. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, and just, it's interesting that Peter kind of goes with it saying, huh, all right, this is completely unlike here. Maybe my moves are working on her. And, and <laughs> And apparently Ivan Reitman's the one who, when Dana goes into a deep voice, that's Ivan Reitman doing a a deep voice. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, But Peter's got some great, great lines saying that when uh, Dana goes, do you want this body? He goes, is that a trick question? And and, and I think the better one is like, I want you inside of me. And Peter goes, I I think there are enough people already in there.
0: Yes, and, I love that part. And, also, it's kind of cool that he's like, you know what? This isn't right. <laughs>
1: this isn't cool. I'm, I'm a creep, but there's a there's a line.
0: He's got a line. <laughs> you know, he's a gentleman creep. <laughs> and,
1: and apparently, those lines were in the script. He that is not Bill Murray improvising. Those lines oh. were in the script. Um, and so uh, you see her float above the uh, the bed and just saying, "All right," and then she barks at him. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we flash forward to the, go- uh, Lewis getting picked up.
0: <laughs> yes. <And> I, <laughs> Poor love, Lewis.
1: I love Janine's line. When the cop comes to the door, dropping off or picking up. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to say what, I mean, I know you got Bankman, but your Lord, how, you, how long you've been in business and that's the line you use. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> what have you all been doing on the off hours? Um, <laughs> And just the whole getup that they have, Lewis Tully, as I think his his alter ego name is Vince Clortho. And, and mm-hmm. it, did you catch in the background when they have that colander mechanism on his head that the picture is of the terror dog?
0: No, yeah. I didn't.
1: Yeah, I caught that this time around. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's showing him as he he ain't he ain't all who he says he is.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but but it's interesting that he's he seems more innocent than what dana's become dana seems more vicious type and i I like that you know it's you know we kind of look at typical 80s movies and like we kept on saying dana baird is not a a weak character she's not a damsel in distress and i like that they made her the stronger terror dog or the 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 alter ego and then lewis is still the still falling in the character he's not he's a believer he's just a follower he he'll go yeah. home with what he's supposed to do.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm reading she says she's possessed by Zul, aka the gatekeeper. There
1: we go. Okay. Yeah. So gatekeeper okay. key master. Um and so then we uh Bankman calls and said, uh, we gotta get these two together. <laughs> and he goes, I think that's gonna be a very bad idea. <laughs> um, but I I I the next scene of uh Ray and Winston talking about what's actually going on, I think. You know, as we said earlier, Winston doesn't get too many lines, but I think mm-hmm. this is where it's its a small scene, but I think this is where he shines. The yeah, dialogue that okay. he has between Ray and talk about Judgment Day and saying, what if the dead really are rising from the grave? Like, this is bigger <laughs> than it is. <laughs>
0: right so and, and i mean all the stuff that's happening even them running into the ghosts for the first time it's all because of zul right mm-hmm. yeah like like they've studied it their whole lives but something else is happening and while they're mm-hmm. you know like oh this is so exciting get to capture all these ghosts it's like oh there's something worse happening here
1: <laughs> and, and even egon explains it earlier saying uh, i i think we're we're coming to a point and talk about the twinkie and saying uh you know we're coming to a a, a peak and i don't yeah. know if we're gonna be able to handle this like there's mm-hmm. something bigger on the horizon so they even they're taking notice as well mm-hmm. um you know then uh peck coming to shut it all down and, and if you didn't hate him before <laughs> gosh darn it as a kid it's like oh can we just ah oh. <laughs> really hate him doing that um and it almost seemed like it was a commentary on government <laughs> getting oh, for getting, sure. getting involved in, in, in private in private entrepreneurs, go overstepping <laughs> their bounds. <mouths. laughs>
0: I'm shutting um, this down. I have no idea what it is. Yeah. It's... Let's
1: just do it and shut it down. And even the content guys, um, I've never seen anything like this. Um, are you sure? <laughs>
0: yeah. He's like, I know you have an ego, but do I have to be the one that does this? Because he's like, in the end of the day, you're going to throw me under the bus. Yeah. I'm oh, going to yeah, be the one, the one that pulled sh- the lever. Yep. And as
1: soon as he does it, all the lights go down. It's like, ah, oh, shoot, <laughs> I know yeah. it's coming. Um, and, and uh, that all the ghosts get released, all their hard work, uh, mm-hmm. that they've been spending. We never, that's the interesting thing. We never see a timeline of how long this has been from, from, and I kind of like <laughs> that. that we,
2: no. <laughs> yes.
1: Unimportant, but we've said, they, they've been at this for a while and, yeah. uh, and seeing all the ghosts get, go back out there and, you know, start haunting and tearing apart the city. Um, and then we we see them get arrested and, and go to the go to the jail and uh, start talking about like we like we were saying there's there's something bigger going on here and talking about the architect of Dana's Dana's building and how nutty he was and <laughs> doing unnecessary surgeries <laughs> <laughs> and I like how Winston says um yeah if there's lawyers gonna be involved I'm I'm gonna get my own um, I'm with you <laughs> but. Um, you guys can't talk like this on the stand there. No one's going right. to believe you, <laughs> but I loved who did we get as the cop, uh, the, the actor from family, family matters and die hard playing a cop yes. again.
0: <laughs> He's so lovable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Even just that one scene, it's like, ah, and I just, you just recognize him. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then we get him to the mayor's office. Mayor wants to speak with him. And we get that line uh, saying, yes, it's true. This man has no dick when Walter Peck's trying yeah. To, yeah. to go after him. But I, I love it that, you know, I, I use this. I've used this line a number of times, you know, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria.
0: Me too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Being an assistant <laughs> principal, those, those lines do come in handy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think there was a point in time, too, where I forgot where that line came from and was using it. Because it had been so long since I saw the movie and then I saw it again and I was like, oh, duh.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I just love that just the different things, like all these random things are happening, like the mayor's talking to the cops, and all of a sudden we see this Catholic bishop or cardinal come in. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and and uh, just the first name basis they have with each other. And, and I love Bankman's line and how. Vanek, being the sh- being the con man, he knows how to read a room, and he says, "Lenny, you'll save the f- you'll save millions of registered voters, yep. <laughs> and that's what gets them. <laughs> not everything that they're seeing. Not everything like the walls are bleeding in the seventh precinct. Nope, nope, registered voters.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> true to uh, form. Yep. Yes.
1: So uh, then we come to the, as we come into the the ending, the the uh, the big scenes coming in uh, going to the apartment and th- there's a great story of how that that building scene how much they had to shut down a good part of new york city because they were oh, talking yeah. about shutting down this street led to shutting down these streets this street this street in the and for three days that's what it was like and, and mm-hmm. just chaos ensued and they talked about how isaac asimov was walking by one day and and dan akward is a huge fan and goes up to him and said hey uh Uh, we're making this movie called ghostbusters and i'm a big fan and asimov goes are you responsible for this and he's like yeah 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 we're doing this and he says it's disgusting and walks away (laughs) (laughs)
0: never meet your heroes
1: (laughs) yes never you'll you'll it'll ruin you forever
0: (laughs) i'm sure it's very frustrating to live in like new york la now atlanta oh yeah um but yeah i i kind of forget until i watch this every time i watch this movie i forget how big that part is in this movie like the floor opening up and the cop cars and you know all that craziness it's like it's a pretty big scene
1: yeah, and uh, just how how much work they had to do to get it to to work like that, and right. uh, they I love it. They they were talking about how they at the time I don't know where in the shoot that they were doing this uh, the scene, um, but they were saying they were still working out the title. They they hadn't had the title for it, and so one of the ones was Ghostbusters, but apparently it was tied up either with a previous tv show that used it way back when and so they were in a a not necessarily a fight but still in a, a working so they had to come up with alternative titles and so when you hear the crowd after the the earthquake almost takes the ghostbusters <laughs> and they start chanting ghostbusters ghostbusters apparently i can't remember who either right or someone called to the studio and had them here listen to this and they're chanting Ghostbusters Said you need to get this title because <laughs> we're not reshooting this. <laughs> right. They're chanting it. We're doing this.
0: That's that's hilarious.
1: And uh, I love how they they're you're all jazzed up. We're going to get this. We're going to go up there and there is no elevator working and we're climbing up all these stairs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Again, they, a big building scene, kind of like in uh, in Blues Brothers.
1: Yeah. Yep. It would take some tried and true tropes. Uh, they, they had
2: said,
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, it, it totally works. It, especially just because the, they, Peter has the same reaction as, as us saying, all right, um, let me know when we get to the third floor where I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to the part of a gozer and, and introducing gozer. And I love it that we never have an idea of who Gozer is supposed to be. And, uh, <laughs> And then seeing Dana and Louis Tully transform into a dog, an actual dog. And uh, they said that uh, Gozer drew so much power that Columbia had to shut down nearby sound stages and
2: the lights burned so
1: hot. They had to turn off the sprinklers with the firefighters on standby. And oh they my said gosh. that whole set cost that uh, took 3000 construction hours and cost about $1 million to do that, that whole temple sequence.
0: Holy crap.
1: <laughs> so they, they, they're they going for broke on that one.
0: Yeah. Good thing this was successful. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Hey, for $30 million. I mean, I'd say they did an amazing yeah. job for 30 million. I mean, today, I don't know if, know if they could do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they did uh, clearly not, but yeah. yeah.
1: They uh, said that it was a Yugoslavian model who was Gozer
0: mm-hmm. had to be
1: sewn into her sewn in and out of her suit. Um,
0: and, <laughs> it does look tight.
1: <laughs> and the contact lenses, her red contact lenses, you can't see it. She couldn't see out of them and you couldn't wear them for too long.
0: <laughs> Poor thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and,
1: and for and that's not even, that's not her voice. That is apparently another actress, uh, another voice actress doing the voice mm. of, of Gozer. Um and, and I think everyone's uh, another favorite line is uh, what, uh, you know, P- Peter goes to, to saying, hey, I talked to the librarian, Um, go get her. And, and Ray <laughs> takes his whole commentary. It's like, hey, as a representative, um, we'd like you to uh, leave, um, go home. <laughs> and, and, and goes in and response, are you a god? And, and he actually looks back to Peter and Peter gives him on it. You got this. Uh, no. <laughs> And die (laughs) and Winston says whatever when someone asks you if you're a god you say yes (laughs) uh I think we could take that in a lot of things in life It's saying of course yes I'm a god why not oh
0: yeah definitely (laughs) I got this I mean they've kind of been faking it till they make it the whole movie anyway Mm
1: -hmm. and I think at this point we're just realizing it's okay if we didn't believe anything at this point uh this is standing true in, in front of us right um and then they uh, they think they they think they defeat her and just disappears and you hear the voice and, you, and I, even as a kid I, I had trouble kind of understanding it. It's choose a destroyer and that and then they, they clear their minds. <laughs> <And> just the <laughs> look on Ray's face is just like, yeah, it didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you just hear it. It was. It's funny. I wonder if uh, Steven Spielberg took this idea from from this because all you hear is the thumping. <laughs> and, 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 and then you you see see exactly what it is and he says no it can't be he's not gonna hurt He that yeah it's the stay puff marshmallow man
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was really torn as a child when i mm-hmm. saw this part because i'm like he's so cute <laughs> and,
1: and they made him lovable in the in the actual cartoon which was oh, interesting that's
0: right.
1: they made him actually lovable and, I was and, like, and he, relatable he looks
0: tasty he's you know, puffy. You know, mm-hmm. he's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. And so if maybe that's Ray, even a thing anymore. But
1: <laughs> true, yeah. I think maybe that was Ray's thoughts. Like he'll never hurt anyone. He even said that he would never. He's from my childhood. It's not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I think one of my non-favorite curse words was was created by uh, this movie, Mother Puss Bucket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the. Uh, you know, no one steps in a church in my town and that's you you, you see him uh they light him up at that point and <laughs> uh and Pete, peter's line going that oh he's a sailor all we just got he, well, he's in new york city all we just got to do is get him laid he'll be cool <laughs> <laughs> um but they uh this the whole idea yeah we'll we'll cross the streams um We'll we'll do that. That that'll work. Egon's like, you know, that one number one rule. We're gonna. I told you never to break. We we could do that. There's a slim chance we'll survive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love Egon.
1: Again, Again, deadpan, just saying, yeah. There's a slight chance, and he's like, yeah, great, let's do it. I've got nothing. (laughs) We got nothing better to do. The girl I like is a dog. Might as well (laughs) go down swinging. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, and, and. it is it, able to do, it, it, you know, the doors shut. They'd explode. Stay puff goes. Bye bye. <laughs> I love that we get uh, Walter Peck with one last comeuppance. Is <laughs> the they said that it was, it was shaving cream they used everywhere, and uh, they were about. They told him what they were going to do to the actor, and they said, "If um, you're going to dump all that on me," and apparently it was more than they actually did, and they said, "Can." can we test that first on someone? And so they tested it on a stunt double and they said, yeah, we will do a lot less.
0: (laughs) Oh, poor stunt double. I guess he knew what he signed up for.
1: He did. He did. And so, uh, so they, they did that. And then we see uh, the Ghostbusters uh, survive. And I love that everyone is covered in marshmallow. And Peter has just got a speck or two on him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i don't Ironic, know if that, yeah i don't know if that just was a bill murray thing or just said you know what, peter's a prima donna we, we he he won't be happy if he uh has the stuff all over him
0: maybe a little both
1: <laughs> yeah maybe a little both and uh you know i don't know even at that point i think it was great that they didn't you know they made it you feel like dana and lewis didn't make it you know when they uh yeah and the, the, the reveal that she's really in there. They both survive. And, uh, <laughs> they, uh you know, we get this thing. Oh, they're, they're going to get together and, and Lewis being Lewis and Egon saying, you know, can, can I get a brain sample? <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. Why not? And, uh, <laughs> then we, we close out with the, the epic Ghostbusters theme and just seeing them all pack up and, uh, go away.
0: Amazing and it's it's so funny that song wasn't that written in like one night with like under a lot of pressure? <laughs>
1: something like that because I I was reading that um um Ray Ray Parker Jr he apparently had retired from doing music um mm. I didn't know I didn't know Ray Parker had a career before Ghostbusters. all I ever knew him for was Ghostbusters and <laughs> and um yeah, I think there was a lot of time it was a very big crunch time and he did that. They did the song and just and even they I like it how they kind of put it even in different parts of the movie. So you, right. you, you had it. And um I don't know the whole details. I know there was a lawsuit involved with Oh the, really.
0: With the song yeah, did it p- sound like another song or something?
1: Huey Lewis, I think, sued sued them.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Um, and they settled out of court and I don't think we I think either it sounded like or Huey Lewis was originally like I think it's either he was originally supposed to be looking at it, or Ray Parker Jr. sampled something that was one like similar to one of his songs.
0: And that would make sense because a lot of times in like hip hop or rap, they do use samples from other mm-hmm. songs. That's like part of that music genre. And,
1: and, so and, yeah. And, and even despite that, it's still just a it, it's an amazing theme. I I anytime I hear. it. it I I argue anyone if you hear that theme song don't don't say that a smile doesn't come across your face and you're you're not screaming ghostbusters down the road
0: yes. when it comes on Well like I said we I, we turned on the the movie and then all of a sudden or, or maybe it was like the you know, the DVD queued up, or I bought it on iTunes, but it, it has like a menu screen yeah. and it came on and I was like, Hey, yeah. <laughs> My husband's like, are you dancing? I'm like, I am. I'm really excited.
1: <laughs> I'm ready to watch like, this movie. Like it says, "Bustin' makes me feel good.
0: That's what that's exactly. That was the first thing I tweeted. I was like, "Bustin' makes me feel good.
1: It does. <laughs> and, and it's and it's a great movie. And I love that how it ends. Like you said it earlier, like going, it's like, a, it's kind of like a Western they go off into the sunset. Yes. And, and at that point, I didn't need another movie. We're good. I know,
0: right? You know? Yeah, no, I agree. It, it and, wraps up really well.
1: And, and it says, like, I can come up with the other ideas. Like, okay, they nothing's going to happen. They're going to continue on being Ghostbusters. Everyone's believing them in the city. This is just what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. You know? <laughs> yes. It, and, Happy and, ending. and just and, and, and it ended on a great note. It, and Harold Ramis said that one of the nicest reviews he got was said this movie was a perfectly told joke.
0: <laughs> I can totally see that.
1: <laughs> um, and, and it released at a great time. I think it made like over two hundred twenty-five million dollars. Wow! And it was. And they said it was the biz- biggest success in '84 mm. until um, what was it? I, it was actually an Eddie Murphy movie. I want to. Was it Beverly Hills Cop? Yep, it was Beverly Hills Cop oh. released in December.
2: Wow! And, and
1: Beating it for um, best movie of that year, most grossing movie of that year, and then apparently they re-released it the fall a year or two later or the following year, Ghostbusters, and then they retook that.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> smart move.
1: Yep. So, uh, so yeah, it's just, it, I don't, it's just a great, great movie. Um, you know, the, not talking about the second movie, but even talk, like I, I was trying to figure out and until i did some reading on it the animated series came before the second movie it was it ran oh, from okay. 87 to 91 and you had mentioned earlier that you liked how you know egon had a blonde hair and he had the different jumpsuits um mm-hmm. that was done apparently because of likeness rights and oh, they, okay
0: that and makes they, sense And they didn't
1: want to i think they were i think probably all the actors had some sort of, you know, royalties, but I think maybe it would have changed with, you know, if they made them exactly alike. And, um, Well, they're so
0: recognizable, uh like, as actors, too.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, obviously people want to recognize the different Ghostbusters and cartoons, and some of these kids might have not, you know, we grow up, we know who these characters are, but it's easy to say, oh, that's Egon in the blue and the blonde. And apparently, uh, the it ran from like 87 to 91 like almost 140 episodes and they went into whole ideas that apparently when bill murray heard the person portraying him he said the guy who's playing egon sounds more like him why doesn't my guy that (laughs) caused a change (laughs) over and they uh they chose dave coulier did the voice of uh the new voice of uh, you know peter bankman uh Towards the latter half and the rest of the series, mm-hmm. and Dave Kuley apparently, besides Full House fame, he was a big voice actor, and decided, you know, he's saying, "I really, I'm this, I didn't want to take it away from, of course, the famous Garfield actor who played that, and apparently they're they're cool, and it's it wasn't his decision at that point, but apparently the show went through a halfway change because of lots of oh. notes and mm-hmm. like the character janine changed they made her softer in the sense of her attitude and things like that i like think the show mm-hmm. um it went through a lot of changes but it was it, it ghostbusters stayed alive a lot of part because of that animated show I and agree. um yeah. you know when they came back to uh wanting to do the second movie it, it helped that the show was so popular but I really do think as we you said earlier this was lightning in a bottle and I think that's mm-hmm. why we didn't see a second Ghostbusters for a long time because even the actors probably thought it was lightning in the bottle why would we want to do another one
0: Yeah and my fear would be that the second one would be which it's not it's basically just the same movie again but another way you could do it is like a million Ghostbuster teams or something you know They're probably and, like please don't do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I love it that, you know with the second one, it has. It's, I I still like the second one. I think it, I think it has positive points with it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it it's definitely not one. If I, if I were, we were I was to come on again, it would not be probably on the top of my list to go back down. <laughs> but um, <laughs>
0: But you still enjoy it? I, yeah. I still
1: enjoy it, and I love I love I love that we are the the torch has been passed um, with you know to Ivan Reitman's son to do one, and I have I, I saw the newest one. With um, you know, they as they so called label, the the female Ghostbusters pick, and I just called <laughs> I just called it a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good for what they tried to do. I I I don't I don't understand all the hate. Oh, I I could. Oh, we we have fans and fans who take things to an extreme. So I guess I can. <laughs> Some people don't like certain things, but I, I I thought it was good for what it was. It's just a different take.
0: Yeah, uh, it was definitely different. Like it's more. I would say it's a much lighter movie, Mm Um, I think the the biggest issue that I had with it was just those women are so funny and I felt like we didn't get to see enough of that. It felt like they were all kind of competing for the spotlight. Whereas in the original, I think what worked about that is that their personalities were so different, but they got along so great together. But in the reboot, it felt like they were like all kind of competing for like, I'm going to be the loudest, you know. And I don't think those women need to do that because they're all just like really funny comedians and they've got great chemistry. They uh-huh. work well together. Uh, most of them are SNL alums. Yeah. Um, it, it could have been better. I, I'll say that, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I remember I I avoided the movie for a long time after it came out because everyone hated it so much. Yeah. And I thought <laughs> I thought I can't bear to see some of these actresses that I love, um, and comedians that I love, uh, in a in a movie that's bad. And so I just avoided it. And finally, I sat down and said, I'm just gonna watch it. And then I was like, that actually wasn't that bad. Like, what what happened? But I mean. I don't know. I think, so they're rebooting it again, right?
1: Yeah, it, it's supposed, to, according to Jason Reitman, who is a great director and is right up in the mm-hmm. air and, um, you know, just, he's, he's a great director. And he went on for a long time saying, no, I have no interest in it. I don't want to follow my dad's footsteps. And I think he got to a point where he's just like, I actually want to do it. And mm-hmm. so he says this is, not he says he even acknowledged the other movie and he did i thought he did a very he says i thought they did great i thought it was but i'm going to make this a direct sequel to my father's universe
0: and and i've heard that they're going to make them younger and possibly a male and female team
1: uh, yeah and, i think there's so many rumors flying about and, and yeah. it's almost because i've heard that too i've heard that maybe kids and, and things like that and i said you know what i'm going to trust it Cause I I'm not one of these fans that says, Oh, I'm, you know, how dare they do that? You know, <laughs> how, yeah, how, I
0: think, go ahead. Sorry. It, it,
1: it's almost like I always tell people the biggest fan reaction. I remember and I was defender is like when Heath Ledger gets cast as the joker, how could he, he's a teen, a teen heartthrob. I said, How about we give him a chance and see sure. what happens. <laughs> let's and just look wait. What happens. <laughs> let's just, let's just wait and see
0: right and i mean i actually think making them kids is a good idea because i feel like especially for those of us that are old enough to remember it was a big part of our childhood even mm-hmm. though they're adults so i feel like making them teenagers and also just what we saw in stranger things and how that's really big yeah. right now how well that's doing how well the it movie's doing i don't know i could see it it's kind of a good idea so
1: and i do an that- and mm-hmm. an interesting thing we got we actually um I know you. I've seen you on Twitter. You're you're a gamer. We actually did get a third movie in a video game. Um,
0: oh yeah, the Telltale series. No,
1: right? it oh. no, it was um, it was called Ghostbusters the video game. I think it was on either PS2 oh. or PS3 or Xbox at that point, and it was written by Ackroyd, and I'm not sure if Framus was involved, but it was basically a direct sequel to Ghostbusters Two. Oh and, wow, I didn't know that. And so, because uh, they acknowledge Vigo, they acknowledge a lot of things, a lot of tip of the hats. So, um, so that we did kind of get a sequel when Mm. I guess the movie, because I know Akron's been pushing this over and over and over again. (laughs) um, Because as we said, he's the heart. And I think it's going to be different without Harold. It's going to be different without Egon there. I think it's going to be a, his, his absence is going to be noticed.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: So, But I'm excited. It's another Ghostbusters movie. Take my money. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna watch it just because I love these films.
0: That's awesome. Well, I guess that kind of brings me to my last couple of questions. Then,
1: yeah.
0: uh, number one, what what keeps you coming back to this movie? Why why do you think you've seen it so many times?
1: It's it's fun. It, it's mm. there's nothing I can just go into. It could be a movie playing in the background. It could it's it's a fun movie. There's nothing I really have to. Th- And think about watching it. I enjoy those actors. They are, there's no one that can really match them today with Mm -hmm. comedy. I think it's a perfect blend uh, of, you know, being a little scared, some, some scary elements of it, but it's just the liners and the zingers. It's just, it's just a great, fun, relaxing movie to watch.
0: I like about it. And I think another difference with the reboot is it's, it's about, four like well uh, two of them are writers but you feel like it's a team of writers you know it's Uh a team of nerds comedians uh middle-aged guys and it's like we get to be the star kind of thing Uh you know instead of there's another world where the four of them are like 25 or 30 you know 20 somethings Uh that are handsome instead it's like the writers are in the movie and i like that about it because i feel like the whole movie kind of feels like that it's like the writing comedy room and they're the front and center of it. And I think that that's what works so well about it. And maybe what the the, the reboot could have benefited from. Um, and I'm and hoping... Go ahead.
2: No, no, no finish. Finish I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, I was just saying, I, I hope that, you know, even if they make them kids or whatever they do, I think if they can carry that over, if some of the writers maybe are in the movie, sort of in on the joke and part mm-hmm. of the joke, that would really help. Uh, what were you going to say?
1: I was going to say the other part I like. It's a team it's it, it yeah. literally is there's not a conflict on the team at all you, you see certain movies like at some point they get famous Oh, so one person's gonna get too big for their britches at no point in any of these movies do we see um they they're they committed to doing what they're doing and they are an actual team they're a family you you feel that chemistry and it's mm-hmm. and it's just nice i think they even said that the cool thing is anyone can be a ghostbuster I know it's four right. men on the screen, but I played Ghostbusters when I was a kid, and I had friends that were girls, and we all played Ghostbusters. It was not a a thing that it's it's just it it's welcoming. Anyone no, I agree. I think I think
0: that's true. I think I think that that's what's because they it's an underdog story. It's like they're normal people that are Ghostbusters. They don't look like, you know, superheroes that put on Ghostbuster costumes. They look Uh like regular guys. And so it's like, you feel like they're one of you, you know, that you're one of them rather. Uh Um, No, I agree. And I think, you know, it's hard to pin down why this movie is so successful. I mean, I keep saying lightning in a bottle for a reason. It it reminds me a lot of, uh, we reviewed Beetlejuice on here and Uh that movies like that too. It's like on paper, I would say this isn't going to work. And yet it does. Um, and I think that's a, a big testament to the writing, to the directing, to the to the actors. It's just everything fit together, and it made a, a great film. And yeah, it's, it's one a... that lasts. And it, it you know a lot. There's a lot of uh, directors and actors that cite it as their favorite movie um, yeah.
1: to this and, day. So, and, and uh, you know, it's hard saying oh they're going to remake it. It's not going to be the same. Well, it's not meant to be the same. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just like a sequels aren't meant to be the same. They're going to capture, but you can never capture the original. And it's just. It's a fun movie and and it's, it's just enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you, what you were saying earlier about like, I just want more Ghostbusters. It's fine. (laughs) I agree with that. I like that. Um, What would you say to someone that's never seen it before? Should you ever meet someone that has, (laughs) not seen just kidding. (laughs) I did.
1: I married someone at that point. Oh, that's right. That's right. They do do exist at that point. Uh, They, uh, and and I, as I explained to my wife is it's, it's a movie and she's not a fan of horror. So it's like, Oh, is it scary? It says ghosts in it. It's saying the, what jump scares there are, you will laugh because of the reactions that are happening on screen because they're right. giving, because you're like, Oh my God, I would do the same thing. Or I'd have that same reaction. It, it is such a relatable movie because it, they take themselves seriously, but they don't. And so mm-hmm. you take the movie seriously and then you don't because they give you that. Okay. Okay. It's okay to laugh it's, it's just, there's so many different things. Like we keep on saying it shouldn't work, but it does. And, and yeah. it, it's, it's a great story. I love the, all the kind of backstories we kind of talked about and this thing that it's a group of people wanting to start a business. They're the underdogs and you're going to be rooting for them throughout.
0: Mm-hmm. By the end of it, you will be dancing too.
1: And you and, <laughs> you, and everyone will be saying, you know, I, I, you know, busting makes me feel good.
0: Exactly. I love that. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Uh, I really appreciated having you. I love talking about this movie, and you're gonna have to think of what you're gonna say when you come back. Or you know, what new
1: movie would you pick? Uh, what new movie would I pick? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm sure you have th- a list. Everyone I do have <laughs> a list. If if I were if I were ha- having to pick right now, um, if you said if I, we got to record tomorrow, you got to pick one, I'd say my my next one would be uh, the Prestige
0: nice i love Um, that movie
1: it's a movie that every time i watch it i learn something new and it's it does it definitely doesn't get old it doesn't yeah there's it's it's just a great movie it's christopher nolan so he's one of my favorite directors
0: exactly nope i'm with you i love that movie (laughs) so good um well chris where can people find you
1: um uh, you can find me on twitter uh just my name at Chris Balga, uh, that's uh, B is in boy, A L G A, and uh, feel free to message me at that point. And uh, you know, like I said, I'm getting ready to start my own podcast, so when I, uh, I'll let you all know when that goes live. And uh, appreciate appreciate all the support. And but but I also want to thank you for letting me come on. It's it's uh, ever since I've listened to the podcast, I've said, oh, I can't wait to go on. And, <laughs> well, thanks and, for uh,
0: being patient.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, I I will I will. It could be another, it, it could be tomorrow, it could be months from now. You, you've you definitely done a great job with the podcast. So
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and have a good night.
1: Yeah, you too. Bye-bye.